And we're going to read several verses. This is kind of a long chapter, but it's really amazing. This is Jesus talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And it's really powerful the way that, that Jesus describes the kingdom of God. Let me get there real quick. Matthew chapter 13. We'll start with verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. The parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow... When the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed, though, fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then, did the, where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. He told them another parable. (laughs) 
The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the field. Though it is the smallest of the seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And now we get to watch a video. Basically, what we're, one of the things we're covering today is this idea of seeds. Seeds in the kingdom, seeds in life. And I found this really awesome video for us to watch as we get started. This is really cool. One of the things that the reason I wanted to show that was because <clears throat> the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a seed. It's like a seed. Real quick, let's, let's think this through for just a minute. We're going to dig into this today. But how would you describe what you just saw? What are some words you would use to describe that process? Patient. Patient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eight months. 
<laughs> for that little thing to, to grow up. Oh, sorry, that's all distracting, isn't it? This didn't turn off, sorry. What else? What are some other words you'd use to describe that? Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. That's it. Beautiful and patient. Ah, that's, that's, a, that's a good start. Um, there's a contrast that you're going to see as we talk about the kingdom of God and the way that Jesus describes it in these parables. Parable, that basically just means, it means coming alongside. That's what that word parable means. And it's just saying, this thing is like this thing. Coming alongside. He's saying, this spiritual truth about the kingdom of God is like this thing that you see in the world. This little seed that's growing up here in this picture that we watched in this YouTube video. Now, one of the reasons Jesus talks about the kingdom of God like a seed is that it is exactly those things. It's beautiful. It takes a lot of patience, and we'll dig into that more. And it's, you know, it's slow. (laughs) It's slow. Unlike some of the kingdoms of this world, and that's part of the contrast here this morning. Think about kingdoms on this earth. What do, we, what do we experience mostly with kingdoms on this earth? We experience war, conflict. Um, I had a conversation with a friend last week where we were talking about the story of history, human history. And it's mostly a story marked by war, by one kingdom conquering another kingdom, by one ideology conquering another ideology. It's, it, there's a lot of conflict. It's not everything, I know. It's not everything, but it's a huge part of what the the human story is. And in fact, you know, war, conflict, is a part of our everyday life even. You know, I was thinking about it, my kids, I was just thinking about my kids. Andrew plays this Nintendo game, and it's called Splatoon. And basically, what it is, is you have these paint guns. Uh, It's it's really pretty cool. Uh, I've, I've watched it. And you spray the ground so thankfully, that's why I like it. You don't shoot other people in this game. You spray the ground, and you try to conquer, try to color your ground more than the other team. But nonetheless, it's like war. It involves guns, and it has conflict. And then Hunter, he likes to play on his tablet. He likes to play this game called Clash Royale. Is that right? Is that what it's called? And basically, it's your kingdom versus someone else's kingdom in real time. And you move your little soldiers and warriors up to the top part of the screen. And meanwhile, the other person on the other end of the internet is moving their little soldiers and warriors up to the top part of the screen, and they're attacking one another. Even in our free time, think about the chess. Let's use chess as an example. In our free time, we like to act out war. We like to act out conflict. It's such a part of the human experience. We don't even consider a story to be good, a good, a book or a movie, unless it has an antagonist and it has conflict. It's not good unless it has those things. It's so ingrained in us that a kingdom is something that comes by force. A kingdom is something that comes through manipulation and it takes over and it rules. The kingdom of God, though, as Jesus describes it in these parables, is very different you know, as a summary of the book of Matthew, we said this last semester, and I'm sure you don't remember, but our summary of the book of Matthew is, anybody, anybody, anybody? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's how Matthew opens up the book. It's what Jesus came to bring. The power of God coming into the world through the kingdom that Jesus brought. 
And it's here to heal all brokenness, all forms of pain, all of them. Psychological, political, social, moral, all the brokenness, all the pain, that's the kind of kingdom Jesus said that he brought into this world. That's the kind of power he said he was bringing into the world. The kingdom comes. And I want to show from the parables today that we just read a moment ago. I want to show three things. One, by the first parable, how the kingdom of God comes. How does it come? In what form does it take? Then we want to look at who. Who is in the kingdom of God? This, this thing that Jesus talked about constantly. Who is it that's in the kingdom of God? Then we're going to look at the nature of the kingdom of God. These things are described in Jesus' story about the sower or about the soil. I like the better term, parable of the soils, because that gets at what the whole point of the parable is. And then we're going to look at the parable of the wheat and the weeds, which we just read a moment ago from Matthew. And we're going to look at the, the nature of the kingdom through those things. So first, how does God's kingdom come? You get a clue when Jesus says at the very conclusion of this first parable about the the different soils, Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear. And then you see repeated after the second parable, Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear. And then he separates the people who understand the kingdom of God from those who don't by saying, They have ears, but they don't hear. They have eyes, but they don't see. Those people do not get the kingdom of God. They don't get this kingdom of heaven that I'm bringing. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of God comes by hearing. It's so dramatically different than the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world come by force. They move in. If you've ever read anything about Napoleon and his kingdom. As he, as he went out conquering other lands, subduing other peoples, you knew someone was in his kingdom by this fact. They were alive. Because those were your two choices with Napoleon. You were either in his kingdom, a part of what he was doing, or you were dead. Those were it. <laughs> you had a choice. Part of Napoleon's kingdom or you were dead because it was a kingdom that came by force. Because that's normally how we understand the kingdoms of this world. Change, change in government, change in life, change in people comes through force. Change comes by force. That's how we've, we've experienced it. We've seen this. We see governments come in and getting what they want by force. You know, this is why the crusades of the Middle Ages, the crusades of the Christian church, where the church went out and battled other people with swords, and with shields. It's why it's such a blight on Christianity and why we look on it so unfavorably and why we've had to apologize to the world for it, for these crusades, because it's absolutely not the kingdom Jesus taught about. His kingdom was not by force. He never once was like, change comes through force. He was never, Jesus was never in the business of making a bunch of slaves. He was like, my kingdom is different. My kingdom, you know who, you know who I think is the quintessential example of this idea of kingdom coming in by force? It's this group called ISIS. You may have heard of them. They operate in the Middle East. And you can, I've read about them a little bit, you can get your hand cut off if you smoke a cigarette. If you smoke a cigarette. It's extreme version of we are going to make your life change. We're going to mold you into exactly the type of person we want you to be and we're going to do it by force, by threat, by fear. 
It, and it is to be feared. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, it is scary. Every account I've read when ISIS moves into a new area is incredibly scary. Absolutely ripping people's freedom from them and bringing change by force. And it's always hell on earth. Change by force. Change by force is always hell on earth for the people that get conquered. Now, one other type of earthly kingdom I wanted to talk about briefly today was a kingdom that gets power and, and, and it gains change through the outside in, and that is through manipulation. That's the other type of, of way an earthly kingdom gets power, right? So first by force, secondly by manipulation. You see this with cults all over the world. The cult that I read about this week, or they called it a sect, but the cult I read about this week on the BBC was this group known as the, I gotta read I gotta actually read it because it's such a hard name to pronounce, Dara Sauchasada. Anyone heard of this? DSS? They claim to have 60 million followers throughout the world. And the reason they made the news this, this week, um, as I was listening to the BBC, is because their leader, their top leader, who his nickname is the Guru of Bling. And you can look him up on the internet. He rides these massive three-wheeled motorcycles. And he has huge gold chains that hang down around him. But this, this organization is incredibly humanitarian. They've built hospitals. They help the poor. They literally asked 1,500 men to marry prostitutes to get the women off the streets in prostitution. And it's, it's incredibly strict. You have to be a very strict vegetarian. You can't even eat fish if you're in a part of this cult. Um, you also obviously have to abstain from everything. You can, you know, alcohol, drugs, anything like that. And it's, in, it's very, very narrow uh, what they ask people to do. But the irony of it all, and the way you know it's coming through manipulation, and is two things that happened this week. The reason it made the news is because the guru of Bling, its top leader, was convicted of rape. Multiple cases. And, and there are accounts of these women that would go into his little chambers and they would be brought in and there would be uh, pornographic things playing on the walls and the doors would be locked behind them and they'd be trapped in there. And this is the guru of Bling who was doing this. And then his followers who had come to the small town where he was convicted, they started a riot. 30 people died, 250 injured. Um, it was out of control. Because again, this, it was a cult. So it, it, which means we are going to affect change by outside in. We are simply going to coerce people to change their behavior, and then we'll see if that can change them permanently which is never the case, which is exactly what Jesus did not do when he brought his kingdom. The kingdom of God, as Jesus described it, is like a seed, not a bulldozer. Those are two ways that you change the ground around you, a seed or a bulldozer, right? A seed gets dropped. You saw it on the video or as we watched it earlier. And a seed moves in, and it radically transforms the ground, but it becomes a part of the ground, Right? It sends down its roots. It pulls nutrients from the ground. It's this beautiful transformation that you can watch as a seed takes root. Unlike a bulldozer, which just comes in and manipulates the ground and forces its, its way onto the ground and changes the landscape much less than a tree or a plant of some sort. A seed, not a bulldozer. Now, John the Baptist, in chapter 11 of Matthew, we studied this last semester, he got confused about this. And I understand why. We get confused about this. This idea that Jesus' kingdom is more like a seed than a bulldozer. John said, 
he sent some of his disciples to Jesus, John the Baptist sent some of his disciples, and he said, are you the one, or should we look for another? Because he was in jail, he was about to be beheaded by Herodias, and he was, he was terribly upset. And he's saying, Jesus, is this actually the type of kingdom that you're bringing? Because us Jews, John the Baptist included, at the time in the first century, the Jews, when they heard about a Messiah, their expectation was there's going to be a kingdom brought in and it's going to be forceful and it's going to be socio-political and it's going to take over Rome and we're going to rule again. The Israelites are finally going to have some victory. And Jesus says, this is the key point in these parables, Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. He was saying, stop, stop it, listen to me. Listen to my kingdom. Do not bring your notions of what you think I'm supposed to be doing for you or what what you think my kingdom is supposed to be like. Just simply stop and listen. Listen to my words. Listen to what I'm saying. My kingdom, Jesus says, comes by love and not by force and not by manipulation. It comes in a strange way It looks vulnerable, it looks weak, and it starts out as a wild, crazy message. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure that his disciples and the people that were in these crowds that were following were probably like, this is not going to work! This is not going to work! This is weak, it's vulnerable, and it's this wild, crazy message. The gospel seems silly, because the gospel message is this. The king has come! And he is going to die. That's the message of the kingdom of God. The king has come and he is going to die. My kingdom, again, is a kingdom of love and it comes by the hearing of the truth. Now, very briefly, I want to look just very briefly at the soil that Jesus talks about. He talks about, okay, so if, let's say we're listening. Okay, say Jesus has got a person's ear. I'm listening. Okay, Jesus, what is your kingdom all about? And he says, here's the types of soil. Um, This is the type of hearing that happens. He says, some people, and this is the soil that falls on the rocky ground, some people, that is those who receive the seed of the kingdom, are going to only get it in their heads. It's going to be totally cognitive. It's never going to make its way into the heart. It's going to be something where it's like, yeah, I I hear it. There's some good ideas here, Jesus. And, you know, these things could be helpful. The, you know, love, that's a good principle, of course. Who's going to argue with that? Yeah, I get it. You know, I've thought about it a little bit. You know, it's neat. It's neat. But again, it's, it's soil that's hard, which means it never penetrates in, penetrating into the heart, that is. It never actually brings any real change. It just stays right there in the head. I don't know if any of you are in that position, but it's easy to be there, to just be like, yeah, I do this Christian thing and I, you know, I've heard some Christian stuff and I hear the Christian truths and, you know, blah, 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 stuck in the head. And then also, another type of soil Jesus talks about is those who listen with a shallow heart, those who hear with a shallow heart. He says, he says this type of soil receives it with joy and it springs up and it gets excited about Jesus and the kingdom of God has come and it's changed my life. But when anything hard happens to that soil, when anything hard in that person's life occurs... They say, whoa, hold up. <laughs> yeah, this is exciting. This is fun, Jesus. But uh-uh, I, I thought I was going to get what I wanted. 
I thought you were going to bless my desires. I thought when I prayed, you were going to give me what I wanted at my work and in my home. I thought this was a transaction, Jesus. Help. What's up? I'm losing money. My kids are mad at me. My family relationships are difficult. See ya. It's exciting to start with, but (laughs) this is way too hard for me. Shallow soil that Jesus talks about. And then lastly, Jesus talks about this soil that's divided. He talks about the divided soil. It's the soil where the, the, the weeds and the thorns have grown up. And they've intermingled with you know, excitement and love for the kingdom of God and for Jesus. And all these things of the world, wealth and worry, have gotten all tangled up with it. And it's unfruitful. That's what he means by it. It's unfruitful. You know, it's Christ, it's Christ sharing control with things in a person's life. And so what that means is the person is not going to see the real power of God in their lives. What it means is there's, there's not going to be much holiness. There's not going to be much happiness. There's not going to be much growth in the person's life. There's not going to be much fruit in the person's life. There's not going to be much change in the person's life because they're divided. It's the person who's divided. Um, and interestingly, this soil is the only soil out of all of the groups that Jesus lists that's miserable. Right? Because the first soil, cognitive, yeah, there's some neat things in the Christian faith. You can just go about your way, whatever. I'm not changing my life. I'm not doing anything for God. It's just some neat concepts they have at that, you know, in that church building over there. The second group, they're happy. The second group is like, woohoo! Uh, see you, Jesus. <laughs> they're done. They have abandoned it. They're on their way. I'm done with that junk. But this group's miserable. This group with the divided heart, this, this soil that Jesus talks about, because they know, they have felt and they've experienced the love of God, they've experienced fruit in their life before, but it is being totally choked out. And it's, it's become dry and unfruitful. And it's tough. That's a tough way, it's a tough place to be in life. Now, the good soil. Jesus does end with the good soil. And what this is, this, this is receptive soil. This is soil that's been softened by the work of the gardener. It's soil that said, Lord, do your thing. Do your thing in me. Do your thing through me. Do your thing on me. Help me. You know, Jesus talked early on about what it means to come into the kingdom, what it means to submit ourselves to the king. It's basically coming to him and receiving his gift. It's being receptive. It's soil that accepts that seed, right? It's soil that's, and this is kind of what we mean by repentance, right? We've talked a lot about repentance this summer as we looked at the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But repentance, as we talked about it, just means, I give it to you, God. Take what you want. Do with me what you want. I'm receptive. I'm turning from the things that would be crowding out Jesus. And just know, I don't know where you might place yourself on any of the soils. Know that God, God is gracious. God is gracious. And He, he wants you, He wants you to be receptive soil. And He will absolutely meet you in the place you're at. It does not matter what you brought into this place, what soil you might think you are. God is constantly saying through Jesus here, and the gentleness and the slowness of the kingdom, come to me. I absolutely will garden you. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be painful. There's some roots we've got to pull up, and there's some rocks we've got to remove uh, from the soil as my seeds get come into it. Okay, let me check our time. Okay. Next point. 
So that was, that was the parable, Jesus' parable about hearing the word, about how the kingdom comes, and also about the soil. Jesus talked about what does it mean to receive the seed of the kingdom. My kingdom is like a seed. How do you receive it? Who receives it? Now Jesus talks about, uh, he gets back into this concept of two kingdoms vying for power. Earthly kingdoms and the kingdom of God. There's a clash. There's a clash. And, and when I say earthly kingdoms, I mean kingdoms that are influenced by the power of the enemy. The evil one. Because that's what this parable talks about, right? This parable talks about, there's this farmer who goes out and he sows wheat seed in his field. And then he goes back and does his thing or goes to his house and goes to sleep or whatever. And then the enemy comes and, it, and the enemy sows bad seed, sows weeds. Zizania is the name of the weed that is described here in the Bible. The, the enemy goes and, and, and spreads zizania and, and, and intermixes with the good seed, intermixes with the wheat. And zizania actually looked like wheat. You actually wouldn't, if you went into a field, you wouldn't know the difference. The only, the only difference is at the end of the season, right before the harvest time, the heads of wheat are full of fruit and the heads of zizania are empty. But they look very similar as they're growing, as the stock. That's why Jesus says, he says to the, uh, the owner of this field, says, no, don't go harvest now. You wait till the end of the age. You be patient. You be patient and wait. And that's something that's true for us too. Jesus is saying, look, to the people at the time, to the Jews who wanted the overthrow of Rome, and to, I, I think to us, and to me, to us even now today, he's saying, look, I know you want clear cut. I know you want to know who's in, who's out. You, I know you want to know, like, you know, exactly, you know, that all the bad guys get punished in the world and all the good people, they get everything they deserve. And he's like, it's not going to be like that. It's mixed. And you've got to be really, my kingdom is one that's going to involve an incredible amount of patience. We talked about this with the acorn. It's, going to, it's organic. My kingdom is growing slowly. It's going to look weak and vulnerable. But let me tell you, it is growing everywhere. It's growing everywhere. It's, it, it, and my, my will is being done. And at the end of the age, there will be a harvest. You can rest assured of that. There will be a harvest. The, the, it, the good things will be shown for what they are, and the bad things will be shown for what they are. It, it eliminates pessimism. It eliminates also utopianism. The fact that, you know, utopianism is what a lot of earthly kingdoms try to achieve. They try to achieve it through force and through manipulation. We can make this world a perfect place. And Jesus is saying here, through the kingdom of God, no, you can't. You cannot make the world a perfect place. It is not going to happen till the end of the age. And when you try, you're going to get incredibly jaded. Now, hear me out. This does not mean that we don't work for good. This does not mean that we don't fight for righteous causes and go out and do good to our neighbors and love our friends and love those around us. It's simply saying the reality is if you try to create the Garden of Eden on this world, it's going to be nasty. It's going to be evil. It's going to get ugly. Because you know why? If you try to create the Garden of Eden on this earth, you know why it's going to get ugly and evil? Because you're going to try to do it by force and you're going to try to do it by manipulation and you're going to get people by coercion to do what you want them to do but the heart actually isn't changed because the heart has to be changed by a seed. And that seed comes only from 
God himself, from the kingdom of God. We talked about it all summer as we talked about the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Don't try to create Eden on this earth. Yet, work for good. Work for righteous causes. But know that it is me, this is God talking, it is me who ultimately does the work. I am the one who is planting the seeds. I am the one who, my kingdom is the one that's going out. And so thus, we conclude with the parable of the mustard seed in the east. The mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds of all time, grows into one of the biggest bushes you've ever seen. Birds can put nests in them, says Jesus. It's a really incredible thing. And he's saying, that's like my kingdom. He's also saying, my kingdom is like when I was a little kid growing up. My mom used to get these little, she had these little rows of dough. And she would, they were really small and they were cold. And she would take them and put them in a pan. And she'd take a cloth and she'd put it over the pan. And then she, I always found it really strange. And then she would put it near the window at our house. And then, like, hours later, I don't know if it was the next day or what, I was a little kid, uh, we'd go over there, and all, it's like ten times the size that it was when she put it over by the window. Because the yeast had activated, and, it, and, the, and the, the bread had now risen. And it, and it was, it, I thought it was a miracle. And Jesus here is saying, this is, that's like my kingdom. My kingdom, it's like little droplets that were added to this dough. And it's going to grow. And it's going to be imperceptible sometimes. But rest assured, when you go and you lift up the cloth the next day, it's going to have grown because I am the one who's in charge of it. This is my kingdom, says Jesus. And it's gentle. And it takes patience. And it looks small. But it it is a kingdom of love. The kingdoms of the earth, the ones that we know, political kingdoms, we often want them to help us and to save us. It's a, I mean, it's, a, it's an urge that we all feel, I think, at times. Politics can't save this country. They can't save me or you. Self-help techniques and cultish gurus can't save this country and they can't save me and you. They're earthly kingdoms meant to change things in the world from the outside in. Crushing people and fooling people into submission. And when someone gets out of these things, when someone comes to the end of themselves, if they've been trusting in those type of things, it leads to an incredible amount of jadedness. I've seen it. There's an incredible amount of pain and jadedness. Um, The kingdom of God is inside out. The seed, the gospel. The seed, the gospel. I am more rotten than I ever imagined, and I am more loved than I ever thought I could possibly deserve. That takes root. That message of the gospel takes root and it grows and it transforms a life from the inside out. Listen, says Jesus. Listen to my word. Listen. My kingdom is different. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we need you. Lord, our world around us is full of conflict, Lord. We, we just experienced it a few weeks back here in Charlottesville, Lord. We felt the pain of battling ideologies. The pain of people hating one another, Lord. Lord, we feel the pain of hate even in our own life, Lord. We have conflicts in our family, conflicts with our 
friends, conflicts with our coworkers, conflicts with our professors, conflicts with our siblings. Lord God, but we trust that your kingdom is pressing forward. We trust that your kingdom is moving even in our own life, Lord. And I pray for every person here today. I pray, Lord, if there are some in this room that have never received the seed, have never become the soil, Lord, that accepts your gospel, that I pray this morning, Lord, that, that they would accept the truth of the gospel. They would accept Jesus Christ as King and as Lord of their life, Lord. I'll even take just a moment here in silence, Lord, for anyone in this room, Lord, that does not know you, that has not experienced the true and real change that your kingdom can bring. I pray that this morning would be that time that we would receive you. Lord God, move in our hearts. Move us towards good. And move us towards good not because it's some, we can earn your favor, we can look good to our friends, Lord. Move us towards good because you are working in us from the inside out, Lord. You are just bursting us with joy. You're teaching us how, how rotten we are in our sin and how, how deserving we are of death. But you're also teaching us the joy that you save us, that you, your righteousness covers us, that you bring us to yourself through Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning as we come to your table, as we come to receive from you, Lord Jesus, fill us with yourself. I pray that this would be a moment, Jesus, where you are real and you are powerfully here in a spiritual way in the bread and in the wine. Lord God, Make us receptive soil. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.